Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to this special edition of Let's Talk TV Live. I usually broadcast live on Monday nights, but because of the Christmas Eve holiday and also because of New Year's Eve this week and next, I'll be broadcasting on uh, Wednesday nights. Um, I am Barbara Barnett, your host. I am the co-executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine, owned by Technorati Media, where I also serve as the senior TV and film editor. I'm also the founder of Let's Talk TV website. That's letstalktv.barbabarnett.com. And the author of Chasing Zebras, The Unofficial Guide to House MD, which just came out in French, La Chasse aux Zebras, which just came out from ADA in Quebec. So that is now available in French, in Spanish, in English from ECW in Toronto, and um, I understand in Russian, although I've not seen a copy of it. So anyway, Happy New Year. I hope you all had a great uh, Christmas or Festivus or Winter Solstice or Hanukkah, which was over a couple of weeks ago. Um, And we are now up to very close to 12,000 listens um, in the 10 and a half weeks we've been on the air. So very exciting. Um, Tonight we have an amazing show um, for you. We have special guest Joe Malazzi. Uh, I've been mispronouncing it, and I apologize, Joe, who is sitting in the green room waiting for me to bring him on. But just a couple of announcements. Next week's show will also be on Wednesday night. Next, on Thursday, uh, January 3rd, I'm going to be interviewing um, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis, the showrunners, executive producers of Once Upon a Time, and I will play the interview. The interview will go into print on the 4th, on Friday, Once Upon a Time premieres for its winter season on Sunday night, the 6th, and for my show on the 7th, I'll be playing parts, if not all, of the interview, um, edited for gaps and ums and errs and blanks and stuff like that. But we'll be mostly talking about Once Upon a Time for that show. Um, Mid-January, my house rewatch will begin. January 15th, we'll begin with a giveaway of the book, in the language of your choice, I guess. Um, Contests along with special guests, which will include Bobin Bergstrom, who was the uh, one of the medical advisors on the show and also played a nurse on the show. And I'm also working out the arrangements for a new interview with Lana Paria, who plays the evil queen on Once Upon a Time and maybe even get her live on the show. And I'll also be touching base with a good friend of our show and of me, Jane Espenson, who writes for Once Upon a Time and, of course, is legendary within the fantasy and science fiction TV writing world as well. Um, January 14th, I will be hosting Wes Britton, who wrote the Encyclopedia of Spies, and we'll be talking about spy TV. So also catch my commentary on The Hobbit. I saw it yesterday on IMAX with my family, and I have some comments. I guess you can't really call it a review. As people have told me, it's not really a review. It's more of a rant. So um, check that out on Blog Critics at blogcritics.org or on Let's Talk TV. Um, Also, um, I want to put in a little bit for our sponsor of the show, Wireless One Marketing Group, who designs really, really great apps at very, very affordable costs. They developed my app as well. Um, It really makes whatever your business is accessible wherever you are 
um, and lets you engage and interact with whomever your audience is, whether you're a writer, a musician, a business, a not-for-profit, whatever you are, a television show, um, whatever. And I'm going to bring Joe on right now. Joe? Hello. Hey, Barbara. Uh, how are you doing? I am great. Um, how was your Christmas uh, Christmas is great, quality of time with the family and uh, the dogs. But, you know, I, actually, I just want to mention, uh, I'm very intrigued by uh, the prospect of a Hobbit rant. <laughs> or your Hobbit rant. Um, it, yeah, it was a rant about the movie. Um, and I don't know, should I spoil a little bit of it? I, I'm not going to read any of it on the air because I want to... Well, no, no, don't don't spoil it. I just suffice it to say that I, I personally am very intrigued and will be turning, turning into that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I'm a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. The movies and the books. Yeah. I guess um, my only comment was if you go into the movie with not the expectations that it's going to be Fellowship of the Ring, then I mm-hmm. think you are right. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Uh, but that was my that was the gist of it. But people can read it up on my blog and, and all that. But anyway, Joe, and I have to apologize because I've been pronouncing your name, and then I rewatched you know, I- uh, a, one of the commentaries, um, and I, can't, I think it was for Space, um, SGU season one, and um, your your name was pronounced it's Malazzi. Yep, that's right. Okay. And I've been mispronouncing it for now for a while, so I apologize. Um, no, no. Joe has been involved in the Stargate franchise since season four of Stargate uh, SG one as a writer and executive yep. producer, along with you. You write with a partner, Paul Mully. Is the M- I'm like now I'm afraid of pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> no, that that is correct, Paul Mully. Okay. Yeah, he's, um, he's been my writing partner for years, yeah. Okay, great. We can get into that a little bit. Um, and he and uh, Joe and Paul wrote several of the most compelling episodes of the entire franchise. Um, but because my was the Stargate universe, um, you wrote, you guys wrote Space and Divided, which are great episodes in season one as well as the trilogy that concludes the first season and then the beginning of the second season and trial and error and then the amazing series, unfortunately, series finale, um, Gauntlet. So some of the best of Stargate. Um, If you have questions for Joe, feel free to dial in or Skype in. The number is uh, 718-305-6982. We're going to be taking calls in a little while, but I want to have some one-on-one time with Joe um, and talk. I, you mentioned dogs. You have pugs, yeah? Uh, yeah, pugs and a French bulldog. Oh, okay. Okay. I have yeah. an 18, 18-year-old dog. and uh, 18? Dogs. She'll be 18 on April 1st. Wow. The mixed breed Sheltie and Golden Retriever. Uh, just the one. Yeah, just the one. And we have a rabbit who's almost seven years old. I think our animals are really long-lived in our house. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you mean to take very good care of them. They must eat very well. We sort of leave them alone and sort of let them do their own thing. So maybe, which is what we did, which is what we did with our children. So yeah, Hands-off they... parenting. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's for the best. May, may, let them make their own mistakes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not Not make 
big mistakes, but let them make their mistakes. It's a, it's a good way to go. So I'm, I have to confess that I hadn't really, I'd, I'd seen the Stargate movie back in the mid nineties, but I hadn't watched much of the Stargate franchise on TV, maybe an episode here and there. And um, I, I liked Richard Dean Anderson. So I would kind of tune in once in a while and but I had always thought the idea of the ancients and the Stargate and wormholes, I, I'm kind of a science geek. I have a bio and chem undergraduate degree, and I did public mm-hmm. policy at school, but it was in science policy. So I'm, I'm really interested in those things. So those ideas, and, and I've always been interested in astronomy and, and astrophysics, but the, the first two series never really quite got on my radar. But then last year, and here's another confession, after I'd caught Robert Carlyle, when I was covering Once Upon a Time for blog critics, um, I hadn't seen so much of what he had done, um, and I and I needed to find out more. So I I read uh, that he had done Stargate Universe. So I looked up what it was about, and I was looking at the description. And I said, Why the heck haven't I been watching this? This sounds like an awesome series. And then of course I saw, Oh, it's you know it's not on the air anymore, which I knew. So I immediately got on Netflix and got both seasons and then I bought the Blu-ray of the first season and the regular not Blu-ray and then I bought the second season which isn't out in Blu-ray so I bought all of it I sat down in a weekend and I think I watched every episode in one sitting well maybe not one sitting but one weekend Um, and and, and confirm the fact that it it was indeed awesome is that what you're saying it was indeed often (laughs) yeah is that what you're saying yes 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 I, well, I, I, I'm thrilled to hear it. I'm sure actually everybody uh, uh, involved with the show is, is thrilled to hear it. I, uh, you know, it, it's always great to hear about people who discover the show uh, later. As much, I mean, obviously, you know, you want the shows, uh, the fans to sort of tune in when the show's airing. But I mean, you know, it, it, it's just really nice to hear about people who discover the show late and love it just as much as, you know, the fans who were watching it when it first aired. Yeah, yeah, and of course I went to to Gate World and I wrote, you know, I read everything about it, and I, I really, I actually forced my uh, daughter and her husband, who are in Seattle, <laughs> but last Thanksgiving, um, to uh, to watch it. So I put on the first episode, and, and I have to say, I started watching it because of Carlisle, but the show grabbed me after like two minutes, and I don't even think he was in the first two minutes. I mean, it just just totally got me. Um, and I and I sat down and I said, okay, I, I just want you to watch one episode. We're just going to watch the pilot. And I put it on, and, of course, I sneaked in the extended version of Air, all three of it or more. And um, they were hooked. And my daughter's a Ph.D. candidate in chemistry, and my son-in-law's a computer guy. So they're both science people. And we just, like, yes, like, oh, wow, what is this? And, and, and it really made sense to all of us. So it was really great. So I want to ask you, and I know that um, Stargate Universe is very different tonally, structurally, and pretty much any way you want to look at it. Um, it's much different than the other Stargate franchise series. Yeah. Um, was there a what was the decision making in in doing going in such a completely different direction? Well, I mean, you know, it started the franchise started obviously with the movie, and um, and then MGM decided they wanted to do a series based on the movie, so they brought in Brad Wright and uh, Jonathan Glasner to develop the show, and um, you know, they you know it, the show ended up running ten seasons, 
with the Brad and then later uh, Robert Cooper at the helm. And, uh, and you know, while SG-1 was on the air, uh, they decided to do a spin-off and they did Atlantis, Target Atlantis, which totally was very similar to, to SG-1. I mean, one of the fun things about working on those two shows is it never took itself too seriously. And so on, on, in that respect, it appealed to a lot of fans in that, it, you know, it, it, there was a sense of humor about it. And, and, you know, it wasn't as, I guess, as dry as, as, as some sci-fi shows. Uh, on the other hand, a lot of fans of sci-fi didn't necessarily take it seriously. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it never got, you know, I guess a lot of the cred that uh, some of the bigger sci-fi shows out there got. And um, it's while we were working on Atlantis that um, basically the studio approached Brad and Robert, who were the creators of Atlantis, to uh, develop a new show. And Brad and Robert just, you know, thought about it and, and, you know, decided, you know what, we've done this type of show. You know, we'd like to do something different. And so basically they pitched out something different. They wanted to do something different. But the studio insisted, you know, we want it to be another Stargate, uh, part of the Stargate franchise. Because we're going to sell the show internationally you know, it's got Stargate cachet, it, you know, we want it to be another Stargate show. So basically, Brad and Robert put their heads together and came up with this idea for a show for the Stargate universe that, as you said, was very different tonally. It was certainly a lot more serious um, um, in, in terms of sort of the, uh, uh, the, the story structure. SG-1 in Atlantis um, was made up of various standalone episodes for the most part, whereas... Um, universe was a little more serialized um so i mean in that respect it helped and hindered i mean on you know on the one hand um you know i think it it, it hurt us in in that there were longtime fans of the show who were used to sort of the the tone of an sg1 or an atlantis who found universe um i guess in their estimation very unstargate like in terms of you know, I guess the seriousness and, 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 and in a sense, kind of the bleakness of, of the, you know, the, those, the, the, the initial stories. Um, on the other hand, what also didn't help us, I guess, is the fact that even though it was a very different show from the preceding Stargate um, shows, a lot of people who were familiar with the Stargate franchise, maybe SG-1 and, and Atlantis wasn't their cup of tea, so they just thought Universal was maybe, you know, something, you know, similar to SG-1 and Atlantis and didn't really tune in. And, you know, you mentioned that you discovered the show late. And, you know, I can tell you how many people that I've spoken to who did the same thing, who basically when they saw it on the air, first they thought, well, you know, it's another Stargate show and really Stargate was not my cup of tea. And then when they sat down and watched it, they realized, well, actually, it's very, it's a very different Stargate show and, and ended up enjoying it uh, immensely. It's not mm-hmm. to say that if it was any better or worse than, than SG-1 or, or Atlantis, it was just a different show. They were different shows. Right, right, right. And that's exactly what happened to me because I, I, I watched Sci-Fi Network um, and I'd seen, you know, little promos here and there for SGU and I didn't pay a lot of attention to it, I'm sorry to say, but I'm glad I discovered it. <laughs> um, oh, apology accepted, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, by the way, people, if you want to call in, I see there's now 23 people in the in the chat room. If you want to call in, I'll be taking calls in a little while um, for Joe, and it's 718-305-6982, or hit the Skype button and call in that way. Um, one of the things I, I I love about some science fiction shows and some not science fiction shows is when you can view the, the series almost like a novel on film. You know, it, yeah, it's mm. super but it's got 
different story threads and, and different plot lines. It, it's, it almost looks like a novel or it almost reads or views like a novel. And I think SGU yeah. has that vibe to it. Um, there are things that happen. They're not explained till later. And they might even only be very subtly explained later. And I think it's a really a great strength of the show. Also, one of the things that really – um, really, I love about it is the fact that everything seems to have consequences. Something yeah. happened really early on, and there are consequences. Like, um, oh, for example, um, in in Air Part Three, where they get the where, where um, Scott gets the sand and he brings it back, and there are these little micro bugs that kind of guide him, but they appear in the episode water causing problems. So they're like, I love that there are consequences to play. Um, and um, is that something, this this novel sort of aspect is something that you guys planned out from the beginning. It's like, okay, we're going to plant this thread and we're going to pick it up here. Like, like for example, in the pilot um, with the attack on Icarus base. And we don't, you know, and Telford is, is of course, the, the guy who is, um, you know, supposed to be the head of the expedition, but it comes out at the end of season one, spoiler alert for people who have not seen the end of season one, um, that he was the Lucian Alliance mole, you know, and was that something that was thought out from the beginning? Well, you know, one of, one of the nice things about working on Stargate, and this came from the top, you know, top down, um, Brad Wright and Robert Cooper, um, really ran a well-oiled machine. And that's what I would call the Stargate production. I mean, basically, everyone was so amazing at what they did. Uh, it was not, you know, a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants production. And believe me, there are so many of those out there where basically, um, you know, they're shooting an episode and the actors get, um, you know, the script on the day, you know, or, or basically a new draft on the day of shooting. There was none of that on Stargate. Basically, we were well-prepared ahead of time. You know, Brad and Robert saw to that. We would get together, you know, um, usually like a month after the the the, 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 uh, the last season had ended, and we would just get together in a room. We'd sit there and we'd discuss. Okay, basically, this is what we want to do this season. So, you know, you mentioned the Lucian Alliance and the attack on Icarus Base. Uh, Brad and Robert had that all planned out. I mean, not necessarily in terms of the details, but they certainly knew where they wanted to go. And one of the nice things about having the luxury of time is you're able to sit in a room and beat out a season, basically say, okay, this is what is going to happen in the first three episodes. This is going to be the arc in the next few episodes. These are the seeds we'd like to plant. And, you know, we'd like them to pay them off, you know, down the line here. So, I mean, like I said, it, it, not necessarily, you know, incredibly detailed. I mean, we'd, we'd hammer out the details when we'd actually get into the stories and discuss. But knowing where we were going, I just made, I, I think, the writing process so much easier and so much more enjoyable. And I think ultimately more enjoyable as a viewer, because I know as a, as a viewer, it, you know, you mentioned that things like being able to sort of pick up hints and clues and, and having things that happen in one episode pay off episodes later and be able to say, aha, or I should have seen that coming. Um, that's the type of storytelling I think uh, really rewards viewers. And again, it all comes down to, the, to having the luxury of time and being really well prepared and just working with uh, a lot of, very talented, very experienced people, which is what we were doing on Stargate Universe, certainly after, uh, you know, 15 seasons on the previous two shows. Uh, we had actually, you know, I guess 
worked out all the bugs by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it it was just so um, sharply and tightly written. Um, it just amazed me that, and I, I I I when I watch TV shows, I generally watch them with a, a really pretty critical eye because I write I tend to write not just reviews of shows or recaps, but I tend to dig pretty deeply within the shows and, and try to pull out what the writers are trying to say. So um, I, I really. I really appreciate that kind of storytelling. Now, um, when you when you put to and, and every team of writers and creators works a different way on different shows and different genres for sure. Um, but did you like have the what, what comes first? Is is it the plot of the show? Is it that okay, we're gonna find these crazy little water bugs? You know, these microscopic bugs that are in the you know in the in the sand. Or is it that you've got this the emotional beats of the the characters sort of planned out and and then filling it in with what adventure is going to befall them? I mean, how does it work on on that show on, on Stargate Universe? Well, at the beginning, it's really more um, I guess uh, you're thinking in terms of plots and sort of where um, you know where the story will be going. And I mean, you you may have an idea of, of how you want to sort of develop the characters. I mean, certainly you know the backstories, and you want to, and you know sort of along the way what you want to reveal over time. But you know, I have to say, a lot of the time, um, you know, you develop uh, you know the, 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 these characters and the relationships as the series progresses, and certainly as you see sort of the on on screen chemistry between the actors and and and. Um, you know, I mean, over the course of, you know, my time in the franchise, I know, you know, we, we will, let's say, plan for something for one character and notice that, you know, they will have, uh, you know, an interesting chemistry with the character that we hadn't expected them to and or a character that um, we had banked on being uh, a part of a bigger storyline just doesn't pop, whereas another character will come on and, 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 and certainly pop and, and you know, step to the fore, I mean, in the term, in terms of Stargate Universe, um, I mean, one of the things that we were really blessed with was an amazing, amazing cast, and just again from top to bottom, from from Robert Carlyle at the top to you know the the characters who uh, um, were you know secondary players who over the course of the uh, the show's two year run really became um, you know really grew into you know into themselves and really became part of the family. Um, you know, one character I, I you know that comes to mind is Dale Volker, who's played by Patrick uh, Gilmore, and um, uh, the, the 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 character of Doctor Volker was actually we, were, we he was supposed to be killed off about halfway through the first season, oh. um, and and yeah, that's a, something no one knows. And uh, you know, Patrick was so good in the role, and you know, the character just became you know such an interesting character that we just you know literally couldn't pull the trigger. And so, you know, we, um, you know, Patrick, uh, won himself a stay of execution or <laughs> not Patrick, but Patrick won him, his character, a stay of execution, I should say. That was good. I, I, he became actually one of my favorite characters and I love the interplay between, um, between Volker and Brody, especially in the second yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, basically, you know, they were interesting characters and we had a little bit of that initial, interplay at the beginning but it wasn't something like we had really planned on and wanted to build but again it was the you know on-screen chemistry 
between uh, uh, Peter Kalamis and Patrick Gilmore that was just so uh, such a joy to watch and so much fun to write for. I mean, uh, you know, to be honest, you know, once again, one of the uh, you know, and at the risk of sounding uh, a little selfish, but um, you know, great acting makes it so much easier for us, and certainly on-screen chemistry does. You know, if we, and, you know, if a character pops or if a relationship pops, is just they're just so much more fun to write for, and 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 you know, the, those two characters were so much uh, fun to write for, and I think it showed because I mean, over the course of you know that series they went from secondary characters to i mean still secondary characters but you know certainly uh more prominent and more fleshed out uh over the course of those two years i have to actually say it's funny because i have to confess my favorite character is rush i think a lot of people like rush um he just resonates with me and um, i'm always finding excuses for his bad behavior but as my daughter would say um, but well, shades of gray. Yeah, definitely shades of gray. Um, but there was one episode in season two where uh, where Volker had this thing. I mean, he always had this thing for Park, and um, he brought her flowers, and he was kind of he, he was kind of sweet on her, and and was sort of trying to court her, and Ruff just takes him down. And it was like, I think the only time in two seasons of the show where I was like, oh, Rush, just shut up. Well, actually, I wrote that scene, and that wasn't the intention at all. I mean, basically, one of the things I loved about Rush is that, you know, there was always something going on beneath the surface. And, um, you know, if that scene, the intention of that scene wasn't really to, to, to knock him down, but to essentially slap some sense into him. Basically, he was telling, uh, um, you know, Volker, you know, you know, you're, you know, oh, you know, don't worry about it. You know, you'll always, you know, she'll always, you'll always be the friend that basically, you know, you're, you're never going to get in with her. You'll always be, you know, you can just settle for being the friend. And, you know, that's what he's saying in words. But the subtext is, you know, you idiot. If basically you don't step up now, you're never going to get the chance. And basically, he's basically telling him, get out there, man, and make your move. Right. So, and I mean, it's I, interesting you, you, you. Yeah, I, I picked that I, up. I definitely yeah. did. And, and it's. Hello. Okay, I'm going to try again. Hello, Hello. Joe. Hello, Barbara. What happened? Things were just getting spirited, and then it all went quiet. It dropped out. I am so sorry, <laughs> listeners. My my call-in connection pooped out on me. And okay, so now where were we? Um, we're so, talking about Rush and his and his talk to uh, Volker. Yes. 
Okay, so um, what I think I didn't, you didn't hear is that when I was at Comic-Con this summer, I was looking high and low for any kind of Stargate presence at all, and I didn't mm. see one, and I was so sad. Yeah, I was kind of sad, too. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I love Comic-Con, and, you know, you know I, I never did, did it for Universe, right, but I did it for the other uh, Stargate, and it was always a blast. We'd always get, like, a, a turnout of about 5,000 fans. And it's actually, you know, it was very sad, actually. I think this was the, you know, was it, I guess last year was the, the first year that we hadn't had a presence at Comic-Con in, was it maybe 14, 15 years? Hmm. So, oh, that's a shame. Because uh, I was, you know, I mean, it was the first year I was really interested in seeing Stargate, and I didn't see it. So, it was also my first Comic-Con. So, um, mm. anyway. Um, so, I had, I read, and you made reference to it a little bit earlier. You know what? Before I ask you this, I'm going to actually take this call because this sure. person has been holding forever. So hang on a second. I have no idea who it is. Hello, Hello caller. Hey. Who, who are Joseph. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I'm Zombies Rise from the Sea from Dateworld. You may know me for the five-month review, five month reviews I did for Stardate Atlantis. You know, one review in five months for every episode. Oh, yes. Yep, yep. So you know about that. Yes, yes. We, we, how long ago was that? Now, that was for the Stardate rewatch. Do you know uh, the thing that Dateworld is doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you like them? Oh, it's, I'm trying to think. Basically, there are two. There are two Target rewatches. I'm thinking of it. Well, obviously, there's a Gate World one, but there's another one. Um, are you talking about the Atlantis one? Yeah, the Atlantis one. It, yeah. And, and so, for which site? It was at Date World. Oh, oh Gate, Gate World. World. Yes. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. I managed to review like one episode in 1,000 words for one day eats, you know? That's a lot of writing. In one day eats. Was this on the forum? This was on the forum, yeah. Ah. And so you, and you guys managed to do all, uh, all five seasons? Yeah, all five seasons in five months. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. That's impressive. Okay, so I noticed that you were talking about universe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I'm I'm not one of the biggest fans of Universe. I don't intend to make it native. I do think there are a few dead spots in Universe, though. I like life. I'm I'm, I'm the only one who loves the life episode. That is the best representation of what Stardate Universe has to offer, you know? Terrible moments, interactions, you know? Carl Carl Binder would thank you for that because he, uh, he wrote that episode. Yes, Carl Binder is amazing, you know? I, I, I like Donald. Stardate Universe... I don't, know, I don't know. Let me let me start from the beginning. I went into Stardate Universe looking for something that was radically different. I wasn't going into this as a Stardate Atlantis fan or an SG One fan. I was going into it looking for something right. that had characters, that had drama, that had you know something that Stardate didn't have. You know, the unknown. Okay. Which Stargate Universe had? Yes, yes. I, I watched. I watched the entire series, twenty series. It's only now that I finished recently reviewing it. You know. Okay. All right. And I don't know. And I, well, I personally, I personally have to say, I was disappointed. Really? Why did you? Why were you disappointed? 
don't know. I was expecting to see aliens that weren't from other sci-fi series. You know, they didn't look like something that came out of a sci-fi series. That looked like the mind created it out of basically nothing. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but something that hasn't been thought of before. Okay. So, but you said you were you were more a fan of Atlantis. Uh, is that what you were saying? You were more of a fan of Atlantis than Universe? Did you, did, you find that, did you find that Atlantis, for instance, um, uh, in your estimation, did a better job of that or, or, or basically answered sort of, sort of the, the, the call sort of creatively what you were looking for more in terms of aliens? Well, um, let, me, let me explain. I wasn't looking for anything in terms of doofy sci-fi aliens or other races. I was looking for something that the mind has not thought of, you know? That that you right. that you wouldn't see in Star Wars, right? Okay, and I and I think SDU delivered, in my opinion, delivered on that quite nicely. And so we, we I, had the matter. It's a matter of a difference of opinion. Um, I'm going to go to another call, so please okay. hang on. And thanks for calling in. Welcome. So before I take, there's another call on the line, too. Um, Joe, one of the things that I noticed um, and, and looking at all the blogs, because I, I, as I said, when I got into the show, I went crazy looking for stuff about it. And a lot of the, there are a few blogs out there by physicists, astronomers, astrophysicists, who really, really appreciated SGU for the science especially. And like I said, I kind of coerced my daughter and her husband to watch in a sort of mm. mini match. On, and they're both scientists, and they, they immediately loved it. Um, how much science went, science thinking and went into the SGU um, series? And I know some of it, some of the science goes all the way back to the even to the movies and the idea of the ancients and and um, wormholes and things like that. But where does the science come from in SGU? Um, uh, mainly, it came from Brad Wright, uh, series creator and showrunner, who. You know, is is certainly a, a techie and and uh, you know very much fascinated by science, and it's something that you know he you know that that would always form the kernel of an idea for a story, and he'd sort of run with it. But also, Carl Binder, who's one of the writers and producers on the show, his daughter uh, was a PhD, and I mean, if you'll excuse me, I I, I don't recall what exactly it was an astrophysics uh, physics or, or you know or a related field, and she would vet all the scripts. And then we had, as a creative consultant, John Scalzi, who is uh, one of the most uh, accomplished sci-fi, uh, contemporary, uh, contemporary sci-fi uh, writers, uh, you know, working today or writing today. And he was incredible. And he would basically read all the scripts and, uh, you know, and, and kind of bet them as well. And there would always be instances where, um, you know, invariably in a story, I mean, it happened to me a couple of times where, I just basically couldn't wrap my hand uh, head around something, and John was only just an email away, and I'd say, "Okay, this is a scenario. I need a plausible science science fiction, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a science fact um, uh, explanation for this, or you know, or so, you know, something that we obviously we could dramatize, but would you know be a stat, you know, would, would be you know founded in in reality." And John was always able to satisfy that and it's something that Brad was always able to come up with as well and and you know again we also had a science consultant on the show so we tried to cover our bases as much as possible um in, you know in that respect it really showed i mean especially when when you get to some of the 
really, really complex episodes like time, which was really complicated. You know, the, I guess the time travel episodes in general and uh, the idea yeah. of, you know, the, the solar flares or dialing within the star and some of the consequences, yeah. which came up uh, quite a few times, uh, the hazards of dialing within a star. Um, but really yeah. imp- impressive yeah. stuff. Time travel, you know, stories have always been very tough to do because, you know, even internally, we're a very tough room. When we're in the when we're when we're um, beating out stories or spinning stories, they have to get past everyone. And you know, I mean, you know, any time uh, time travel story, it has to make sense within its framework. And I think, you know, over the course of the Stargate series, they always did. And certainly in the case of Time, which I think actually was probably the best time travel story we've we've ever done. I remember. Rob Cooper thinking about it, thinking about it, and spinning up different different elements, and then coming in with that final twist at the end, and we were like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then you know, reading it in the script, it, you know, we realized, well, you know, it it makes sense, um, you know, and it, it's it's it, it, there were certainly the most challenging type of stories to write, but ultimately the most satisfying because when you got them done right, they really sang, and that episode I thought really sang. It really did, and I love the fact that at the end, you don't actually have the resolution spelled out for you, but you know yes. they sort of figured it out by the next episode. So you kind of scratch your head for a second, and it's like, oh, oh, they figured out a way to get the next scene, which is the next episode, and if you're watching it in a marathon like I was, is um, Chloe doing yoga. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Oh. I mean, that, that, that was one of the reasons I love that episode is just that the ending – was such a shocker and you just had to think and 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 realize okay you know when the next episode starts you realize it all worked out so i have a question settle an argument that i've had or um not an argument maybe a a question so we know volker um was an astrophysicist and Mm -hmm. brody is an engineer and we sort of get the idea of what some of the other um uh, scientists are, but but what's Russia's discipline? Russia's discipline, huh? You know, off the top of my head, <laughs> I wish I could answer that. Uh, I, I kind of he's, people think he's maybe a mathematician. I kind of think theoretical astrophysicist because they get into a lot of that quantum stuff too. So yeah, certainly. I mean, but you know, I. I you know, that's a, this actually is a perfect question for Brad, um, because I mean, he, you know, obviously he uh, he has the entire Rush backstory uh, um, mapped out. But just in terms of what his spe- specialty was, you know, we never we never did say, and you know, in, internally in the room, we never actually discussed the, spe- the specifics of what his area of specialty was. Interesting. But you know what? I this is something I will have to ask on your behalf and settle the uh, bet on your behalf. Okay, please do, please do. I will. That's Because that's a question, and it comes up in fan fiction all the time, by the way. It's really kind of interesting. Um, it's the, what is Russia's specialty? And people say, oh, you know, he's, he's a linguist, and maybe he's a philosophy, you know, he's a philosophy, had a philosophy degree, in addition to the astrophysics and the math. And he's just a generally smart person, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get the sense that basically he's a, uh, you know, a master of many, many subjects. Yes, 
Yes, and I actually love the times in the series where um, we get a little bit of his waxing philosophical. Mm-hmm. Those, those are some of my favorite moments in the series. Um, besides, so I want to talk about the the characters that don't have any lines, and that's the technology of the of the whole thing. Um, Destiny itself is just such an incredible character in the show. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about Destiny and and what it is that makes it come alive and makes it a character. You know, I, one of the nice things, you know, one of the things I always loved about space-based shows like a, um, uh, you know, the early Star Trek, you know, Babylon 5 or Deep Space Nine was that, you know, the ship or the space station itself became an entity or became, you know, almost a character. It was essentially, um, you know, obviously a vessel that, uh, you know, would, would take these characters on, on, on this journey. But at the same time, it was a home away from home. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, as sort of the series progresses, you become more familiar with it. I mean, in, in the case of Universe, characters, you know, um, we began to d- discover, you know, different parts of the ship. You know, we, we became familiar with certain, certain sections of the ship. And then in the second season, we began to open up more sections of the, of, of, of the, of the vessel. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it's like the characters themselves. Destiny was a character that, uh, in its own right. And, and, you know, that developed alongside, uh, you know, alongside them. Um, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, I'm, just, you know, I'm trying to think of sort of specific storylines, but, um, you know, I mean, it was the episode, the Twin Destinies episode, was uh, you know, you know, was a you know fantastic. Uh, um, you know, that that was another sort of Brad Wright special. Again, you see, you see, kind of, you know, the, you know, the you know the science inclusion of the science, the inclusion of sort of the characters. You know, a lot of great character moments, and also it's very much a story about the ship itself. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, even the ship itself, you know, became embodied um, in season two once the bridge was revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the guise of Franklin and uh, and Gloria Rush, yeah, um, which was really you know. But the, even from the beginning, the ship, you know, you would hear Rush talking about it. he's telling the ship what's what's wrong, what they need, and the ship p- picking up on it. So it almost becomes a character almost from the beginning. Um, the Kino is also the Kino is is kind of a cool device, and the Kino sled, which I thought was brilliant. I thought that was a really cool Eli moment. Um, and of course the inter- the the neural interface chair. I mean, just there's so many bits of the technology of Destiny that just became such such a, an important part of the show as well. Yeah, the um, Kinos were you know were were originally actually intended for Stargate Atlantis. Um, Brad envisioned them as uh, sort of mini floating mouse, which are essentially, um, you know, remote units that would go out and, and, and uh, you know, record. And um, they just never made them w- the, their way onto Atlantis, but it was an idea that, that, that Brad loved and we ended up incorporating into Universe. You know, obviously, you know, we, we thought they were interesting and they, they would, you know, uh, you know, help the stories along. But also, at the time, we were working on webisodes and we were thinking, well, what's, you know, what's an interesting way to do, you know, webisodes? Um, and, um, you know, we ended up incorporating these keynotes into the web webisodes and it was, uh, it was like, you know, I, I thought they were, you know, fantastic little additions to the, to, to the show. Oh yeah, very much. 
I'm going to take another call because we have someone else in the queue here. Sure. Hang on. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Who am I talking Hello? to? Yes, hi, Hello? Barbara. Yes. Hi. Uh, thanks for having us on the show. My uh, name is Andrew. Uh, and, Joe, it's great to uh, to hear from you and to have you on the show also. It's uh, it's really great to just have Thanks, one Andrew. of those folks who created the show um, on there and to get to hear your perspective on the whole thing. Great. Did you Thanks. have any questions? Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I was one of those late viewers of uh, Stargate Universe. Um, I just kind of noticed it on Netflix, and I said, oh, another Stargate show, but I'll check it out. But I'm a huge sci-fi fan. And, you know, once I started watching that thing, I was like, whoa, you know, and, and it was crazy. Uh, to me, I really just ranked it up there with uh, shows like Firefly and, and Battlestar Galactica. And I'm just wondering, like, uh, why is it that all the great sci-fi shows just don't get that continuation, you know, to its full fruition? What happened there? I, you know, it's a good good question. I mean, to be honest, you know, it's one thing I, I, I've always held you know, the, the, it, my opinion has always been that, um, I mean, it's, you know, the way they, um, I, I guess, gauge ratings for shows, um, I feel as though sort of TV is three or four steps behind. The problem is that um, nowadays people don't watch live. You know, uh, they, they, you know they, they use their DVRs, they, they, they record, they watch online. Um, and certainly in the case of sci-fi shows, you have a younger audience and a tech-savvy audience who are more likely to basically use alternate, you know, methods to view a show. So basically the, you know, the antiquated, um, uh, you know, rating system that just kind of measures people who, you know, watch a show live or, you know, even maybe, you know, watch it within two days of airing. Um, I guess it does a disservice to certain shows, and especially I think sci-fi shows, like you know, uh, you know, like a Firefly or a Ballast or even a Universe. Um, you know, it's 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 an occasion where really uh, the type of audience that the show attracts just kind of works against us, given the you know the systems used to to gather ratings. And it's interesting now that I mean just. A couple of months ago, I was reading that um, you know network ratings are down across the board, and basically they they've been going down for a while. And I don't think the the audience is deserting the shows or, or not watching television in, anymore. They're just walt- watching it through alternate means. And you know, finally, you know, you've got uh, you know network bosses saying, well, you know, now we've got to actually step up. And we've got to find alternate ways to do these ratings, which is great when they figure it out. But I mean, it certainly didn't help us. You know, I mean. Um, I loved Firefly, and you know, I thought it was right. very, very sad that it, you know, it, you know, it, it, you know, uh, you know, it only did uh, it, that one season. It was, you know, I had the perfect mix of sci-fi and humor, which is something I personally love. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Battlestar was was you know more sort of like a serialized space opera, which you don't see much of, you know, on TV, which I think is a shame. I mean, you see it on, with shows like you know other genres like you know, horror with The Walking Dead, or you see, you know, Game of Thrones doing it in fantasy, but you don't really see it for sci-fi, and it's something like Battlestar did, but, you know, again, you know, they say, oh, well, the ratings were not there. I think people were watching it, were just watching it in alternate, you know, different ways, and I think it was the same case right. with the universe. Right, I agree, I agree, and you would think that Sci-Fi Network, and now I'm I'm going to do a little, not really a big, min, a big rant, but a mini rant about Sci-Fi Network, 
because you would think sci-fi would know better. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I, I commend you folks for just uh, doing it, doing intelligent television, you know, because uh, uh, I think there's kind of a thirst for that. Um, uh, so I, I really, I really enjoyed the show, and <laughs> I just thought it was intelligent, gritty, and darker, and it actually motivated me to start watching the other, uh, the other Stargate. So I ended up watching Atlantis, and I kind of enjoyed that too. Um, but I got a few more questions for you, Joe. Um, sure. One thing that uh, did Doctor Rush ever achieve ascension? Uh, I don't know if that was part of your script uh, up till the end, or what happened with uh, the story of Doctor Rush with ascension. Uh, sorry. Oh, sorry, did, did he ever achieve ascension? I know he was uh, he was interested in the whole uh, ascension from the ancient. So, um, you know, what happened? Is there a conclusion or a closure to that? Well, you know what? Um, it, it, well, there were two. I guess, I guess in a way you can look at it, there were two rushes. There was the rush who ended up staying behind at Twin Destinies, and he uh, he was actually probably the closest to uh, attempt to achieve ascension. The rush that we know that we followed ended up in stasis at the end of the uh, you know the, the series finale, and I guess for for argument's sake, has been in stasis ever since. Um, so, you know, the answer, I guess the short answer would be no, he never did, uh, attain, uh, that ultimate goal, the goal of ascension. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, you know, Brad and Robert had a plan. Um, you know, one, one of the refreshing things about, you know, working on, on this type of show is, was the fact that they knew how they wanted to end the series. And, it, you know, it all came right. down to sort of, you know that 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 um, you know the, the you know the the the, the, the purported message or you know the background um, uh, you know ra- you know radiation the the um, you know the the message at the at the at the end of the uh, you know of the universe if you, if you will and um, and it's something that they basically had worked towards and I remember you know talking to Brad and I said well you know what are you going to do are you going to ever reveal that and, and he basically said, you know what? That's one thing I just want to hold on to because I guess you know, in in, in you know, in, in maybe his, his heart of hearts, you know, he would like to see a conclusion or begin the opportunity to conclude the story. And I don't know how likely that would be, but you know, suffice it to say that he, you know, he did have an ending in mind. Okay. Okay. Which I cannot reveal. All right. Okay. <laughs> Are I'm we gonna, gonna see a movie? Are we gonna see a uh, movie or uh, something? You no, know, I, w- I would love okay. to. You know, it ultimately comes down to to, to MGM, and I know sort of, you know, sci-fi gets gets a lot of um, you know, a lot of bad, uh, you know, bad rap. But I mean, in in, yeah. in all honesty, I mean, the, you know, the fact is that that you know, if it wasn't for sci-fi, you know, Stargate wouldn't have gone on for as long as it, as it did, and there would have no not been an Atlantis. There would have not been a universe. And you know, at the end of the day, it really, you know, the fate of 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 the show and the fate of the franchise rested and rests and rested in the hands of MGM. And so, ultimately, you know, it, it, okay. you know, it, it really is up to them. Yeah. True. Hey, Barbara, yeah. will you give me room for one more question, please? Yes. Um. You know what? We've only got six minutes left of the show. Can you hold it till next week? Oh, man, okay. I'll be back. I promise I'll be back. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be back next week. So say the question. Yeah, but it's awesome to have you. And uh, you guys just keep up the good work. Keep writing that intelligent and mysterious sci-fi. I really enjoyed it, man. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Goodbye. See ya. (laughs) 
So um, we have just a few minutes left. Gosh, this time has gone by so quickly. Um, I want to, uh, next week on the show, talk more about your episodes in particular and also the relationships between the different characters, which I find mm -hmm. so, so interesting. But I want to pick up something that, that Andrew, who called in just now, asked. And, you know, is, has there been – I know that um, now they've been in stasis for real time, like a year and a half or so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether anyone's considered doing, finishing off the series as a novel or a graphic novel or a series of graphic novels. Um, I know that's something that's kind of near and dear to you because I know you've done a, taken a, a more filmic idea and put it to a graphic novel or graphic, a comic book approach. Yeah, I mean, that would be, you know, uh, again, I mean, MGM would, would really need to call the shots on that. Right. But ultimately, I think, you know, it would be something that Brad and Robert would, would really, you know, uh, it would fall for them to do. I mean, they created the series. They, they, they you know, they developed the stories. They knew where, you know, where Destiny's uh, journey would end and, and really would be up to them to sort of conclude it. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if they would be interested in doing it in any other format, though. I think, you know, I, uh, I yeah, I, I, I think... It's unlikely, but if if they ever got the chance to do you know to do a wrap up movie, uh, you know that would be certainly ideal. That would be amazing um, if they got to do that. Uh, they have to build a new set. I understand the set was torn down and used now. That the space is now used for Once Upon a Time. Is that true? That's right. Yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, every time I drive by, I I look up and I you know I realize who you know perhaps the uh, you know. Your, your guests will be joining next week or, uh, or, or now, now occupy my former office. Oh, that yeah. could be. That's a fun time, yeah. Right, right. Rush has somehow become and Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great to hear. You know, Bobby actually loved Vancouver, uh, where, which is where Stargate is shot and uh, and where Once Upon a Time is shot. So it's, right. it's, it's nice. You know, it's great for him that uh, he's been able to stick around. Yeah, I love Vancouver. I love Vancouver. I love Vancouver Island, especially. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm very jealous because my daughter and her husband, my daughter told me that she and her husband are going over the weekend to Victoria for the weekend. They're taking the ferry That's over. beautiful. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I would love to be out there. Uh, so I don't blame anyone for loving that part of Canada um, or the U.S., the Pacific Northwest of the U.S., um, but Canada in particular. Um, so I'm really excited that you're going to come back next week and, uh, and visit again because this went by really quickly. And I promise I'm not going to – my call's not going to drop out. That is so odd that that happened. Um, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in. we still, we got now 24 people in the chat room. Hi, everybody in the chat room. Um, but I want to talk next week about some specific SEER episodes and, and your episodes and um, if you don't mind, I know Gay World's been doing sort of like the the SGU um, rewatch uh, readers poll or viewers poll, and I'd like to ask you some of those questions next week too, and sure. put you on the spot. But that might be kind of fun to do, and also ask people who are uh, who are listening in to uh, to answer those as well. And uh, I've been doing. Uh, I have I have to say I haven't been doing one review a day. But I have been slowly putting up episode commentaries for Stargate Universe. I am up to, I just 
did Earth this week. I'm going really slowly, but my episode reviews tend not to be recappy. They tend to pick one idea and sort of figure out where it's going or where you writers intended it to go, whether or not you thought so at the time. It's where I'm, I saw where, they, where the episode went and what you guys were hopefully trying to say. So right. it takes me a while to write them. And uh, um, so I'm up to, I am up to earth, and I'm going to do time next week. So hopefully that will be up by next Wednesday. So I want to thank you once again. This has been a lot of fun. Hopefully you had a good time as well. And I did. We'll come back next week and pick it up where we left off. Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next week, Joe. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you again to Joe Malazzi for visiting with us tonight. He's going to visit with us again next week to pick up the And uh, I want to tell you, if you want to read my blog, it's letstalktv.barbabarnett.com, or you can also read my writing on blogcritics.org. You can just click on my name, Barbara Barnett. Um, I am one of the co-executive editors of the site and the senior TV and film editor. So you can go over there or to Let's Talk TV and read my uh, Stargate reviews. Time reviews. If you liked the TV series House when it was on, even for some of the time, I wrote reviews of that as well. And in fact, my book, Chasing Zebras, The Unofficial Guide to House, is uh, all about the book, the TV show House. So until next week, um, I wish you all a very, very happy new year. And Joe, I neglected to, to wish you that as well, but a happy new year to everyone. And I will see you in 2013 next Wednesday on Let's Talk TV Live with our special Stargate Universe episode part two. And that is all for us tonight. We'll see you next week. Bye.